You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Hi everyone. There we go. Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle. Hi guys. It's wonderful, wonderful to be sharing this message with you today. Welcome to church this weekend. What a delight to have you in the house of God. Many guests, we're so glad you made it. We're so glad you're here and looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Chris? Yes, well, look, I am excited that I'm here to introduce my husband. This is an amazing message of prophecy and inspiration to release something absolutely new in the midst of you and all our churches. So I know you're going to love this message today. So God bless you. As we come into Presence Conference in San Diego. Yes, C3 Americas. In August. Do whatever you can to be there. It's going to be absolutely yes. amazing. Yes, for a real big hug. Not a virtual one like this one, but a real one. So God bless you. Amen. See you there. Well, I, I wanted to share about this uh, amazing gift that God has given to us called prophecy. And it may seem like a small subject, but actually it embraces a vast array of the moving of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit first fell on those 120 disciples, Peter stood up and he said, when the Spirit of God falls, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams and handmaidens and servants will prophesy. Actually, the dreaming of dreams and the seeing of visions and prophesying are pretty much all the same thing. And I have no doubt that we are moving into an era a brand new phase, an incredibly higher level and a higher season of anointing and outpouring of the Holy Spirit than we've ever seen in the history of the world. In C3 and right across the earth, right across all flesh and all the church right around the world, we're going to see a move of God that is completely unstoppable. The moving of the Spirit always brings about proclamations or prophecies. Immediately when they were filled with the Spirit, they all began to speak in other languages that they never learned before. And then the apostles stood up and started preaching, especially Peter. And he prophesied about the wonders of God and the glory of God. And he magnified God in his preaching. He was worshiping God with his preaching. And speaking in a way that is supernatural throughout all of Scripture is called prophesying. In fact, right from the Old Testament, Moses, when he looked back through time, it was an an element of prophesying. He was seeing in the Spirit how the world was created. Right through to the book of John and the book of Revelation written by the Apostle John, he was seeing into the future. And that was also the gift of prophecy. In fact, Jesus, when he was here, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Now, when the word prophecy originally comes into scripture it means to bubble up to be like a fountain within and you'll find that when you're filled with the holy spirit things will come out of your mouth worship praise glorifying god speaking in new languages supernatural utterances begin to happen but that word morphed into a new word as well which meant seer and that word meant that you could actually begin to see what God was doing and then speak it into being. 
Inside us, when we're born again, we get a duplicate set of faculties. We get spiritual ears, spiritual eyes, spiritual feelings, spiritual taste, spiritual smell. We can sense God. When we dominate our world with stimulus to the flesh man, to our body, we shut down that spirit man. But when we quieten down our flesh and, and not let it have so much stimulation, we actually awaken those sensibilities and those faculties that belong to the inner man. One of the reasons we close our eyes when we pray is to shut out all that imaging that's coming from the natural world and the inner eye, our inner eyes are opened and we can start to see God and reach out into the Spirit. In fact, Paul in Ephesians 3 verse 20, he prays for the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart are opened. I pray that you get it. That's what really he was asking. The, pr the, the prayer was that the, the inner eye, the inner vision that God wanted to show them would become apparent. God wants to mingle his thoughts with our imagination. And we should never underestimate the power of imagination in terms of waiting on God. Because once we have started to perceive something and conceive it in our mind, we can then speak it. And many times Jesus told us, rather than just say it and pray it, He wants us to prophesy it into being. He'd say, speak to the mountain and it will move. Most often Jesus would speak to sickness and He'd say, be healed to a person. He would tell people to do things and they would act on that word and they would find themselves in a new level of victory and healing. And that is what I believe God has taken us into as we move into the future. There is a new anointing. There is a fresh oil coming upon C3. Part of that is not just praying, but it is proclaiming. It is prophesying. And I am prophesying that we will see a million people worshiping in our congregations all around the world in the next few years. I am prophesying that we will see a revival and a move of God and an outpouring of the Spirit like we have never seen before. I am prophesying that we are going to see the sick healed, the dead raised. We're going to see blind eyes opened. We're going to see thousands and thousands and thousands of teenagers coming to Christ. A massive revival is going to be poured out on the, holy, on the people of God all over the world. And we're going to find that every church will experience an influx of teenagers. The touch of God will not be stopped in this era. The devil can't stop it. People can't stop it. Governments won't stop it. The Holy Spirit is coming on earth like a wave that is unstoppable. And I prophesy that your churches, your churches, your people, your teenagers, your youth, your teams are all going to experience the touch and the power of the Holy Ghost at another level so that you start to see the future and that you start to prophesy those things that God is about to do. We're living in an age when God wants to move in our hearts not just move sovereignly from above. Sometimes we are asking God to do things that He wants us to do. 
And he has told us to do. He has said, you go heal the sick. And we go pray, God, heal the sick person. We are the ones with the word of the Lord in our mouth. And we can say to this world, be healed in Jesus' name. We can say to the dead, come alive in Jesus' name. We can say to the sick, be healed. We can say to people who are suffering and they're in poverty and they're in difficulty, to marriages that are in trouble, to people who are suicidal. We can bring the Word of God and bring life. The most important thing for me about prophecy is that I believe it's a lifesaver. We live in a world where young people Middle-aged people, older people are struggling to grasp hope. They're struggling to see a future. They're struggling to feel like something good is going to happen to them. And I believe we're living in an hour now where every time people come into church, something good is going to happen to them because we prophesied it, because we said it. We need to clothe our congregations with faith. We need to clothe our lives with faith in the morning to speak over our lives that I am blessed. I am uh, holy. I am on fire. I have energy. I am awake. Uh, I love God. I love church. I love the people of God. I'm destined for greatness. When you start to see these things in your life and you speak them, you will find you transform into the very words that are coming out of your mouth. Never underestimate the power of your tongue. You can create life or bring death with that. You can actually penetrate into heaven with the word of God in your lips, with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. We bring defeat to the devil and we access heaven. God has given us his word to use. It isn't just to study. It isn't just to memorize. It isn't just to meditate on. It isn't just to teach. It is to use as a weapon. It is to use as a powerful weapon that defeats the devil, cuts him in pieces, and brings down strongholds. It's also an incredible weapon in terms of coming against our own flesh, coming against all the persecution and criticisms. As you speak that word, you are speaking the very same word that created the heavens and the earth. It has got power in it. The living Word of God has so much power that it created a universe, for goodness sake. When we put His Word in our mouth, like God said to Jeremiah, I put my Word in your mouth. Once that begins to happen and we prophesy, we'll see valleys of dry bones come alive. We will see dead men coming out of their tombs. We will see whole communities transformed, converted by the power of Christ. And our churches set on fire with revival. In the prayer meeting, and I'm telling you, there is a revival in our prayer meetings. God is bringing great amounts of prayer into our lives and into our churches. We shouldn't be just praying. We should be prophesying that God is about to move in our own lives, in our families, in our finances, in our circumstances, in our communities with salvation, with blessing, with an abundance in Jesus' name. I'm praying for you right now that the power of the Holy Ghost will fall upon you, your congregation, your families, and you'll experience abundance in Jesus' mighty name. Heavenly Father, let the blessing and the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost rest on all of our congregations all around the world in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on. Awesome. It's great to hear from the leader of our movement um, about where he feels uh, things are moving. And uh, 
I don't know about you, I, I'm pretty stirred hearing about the way he, he speaks about what God is doing, about what the Holy Spirit is beginning to do across churches. And uh, I'm genuinely uh, really stirred about our confession, about, about what we are declaring, not only over ourselves, but over our church. Um, and, and adjusting that to make sure that it, it, it's not just an articulation, perhaps, of what we see in the reality, but that we have a, a prophetic confession. Um, that we can see what God is doing, and that's what we declare over things. But ultimately, uh, operating in the prophetic or, or speaking out what we believe God is saying into our spirit, has, it has a start point. And I, I think it's no coincidence that this word's been released to churches across the world right at the point in which we're about to wrap up our series uh, around recalibrating, around waiting on God. I don't know if you heard it, but Pastor Phil said just before he talked about the power of prophecy, he talked about how we access the Word of God, how we, how we actually go from living in the natural to being aware of what is in our spirit so we can speak it out. And he said this really cool phrase, he said that when we wait, it allows, and I think he used a different word, but I'm going to use the word entwining. It allows the entwining of God's will with our imagination. And it's out of that point that we begin to be able to articulate the will of God in a situation and speak it out. If we don't wait, if we don't have space in our world where we are hitting the pause button so that we have the opportunity for that entwining to take place, for that meshing to take place, if we are not practicing pausing so that we can allow God's Spirit to stir within us, if we're not having those moments where we actually intentionally shut down for a moment our natural senses so that our spiritual senses can come awake and alive and becoming tune with what God is saying, then we are hamstringing ourselves right at the beginning of the prophetic process. And so I think that this is right on point with where we're at as a church, as we've been unpacking this idea of well, what is it to wait? What is it actually to pause? Why do we wait? What is the benefit of waiting? And we've heard a number of really great messages so far this month around this concept of waiting. And I want to I wrap it up today. I want to take what Pastor Phil said as, as the destination, and I want to make sure that we are all fully aware of the start line. That if we do want to be the church that has a prophetic voice, that we know how to put ourselves in the place to hear it. That if we want to be a congregation that is filled with the Spirit of God so that, so that we don't just come with wise words in the situations, but we come with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that we come overflowing with the distinctive of Christian life, which is the power of God. I'm telling you that there is nothing that sets a Christian aside like the power of God on their life. If you're out in the community and people are wondering why you have hope, why you have joy, why you believe sickness can be healed, why you believe like that, that, that there can be restoration in people's lives, that is a distinctive that sets us apart. But it is not accessed any other way than carving out time in our life where we can wait on God, where we can be filled with His Spirit. It's not by strength. It's not by might, it's not by grit and determination, it's not by striving forwards and, and, and self-will. And No, 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 it is by His Spirit. It is by His Spirit. And we must be committed, and I say committed, I kind of got to grit your teeth when you say that word, right? We've got to be committed to Him. 
We've got to be committed to Him in our world in a way that is real and life-giving and authentic, not just ticking a series of boxes, but, but, but being committed to it being an authentic aspect of our world. We don't put on the power of God, but that it is genuinely flowing out of us. And this morning, I want to take a couple of minutes as we wrap up to talk about three things that happen when we wait. Three things that happen when we wait. Three things I believe are, are critical if we are to be a church that has an in-tune, powerful, prophetic voice. Whether it's over our own lives or whether it's into the community, we must learn to wait so that we can access three things. Here we go. Uh, if you haven't opened your Bible yet, now is a great opportunity. I'm going to be reading from three different passages of Scripture, very short. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's fine. We're going to have them up on the screen for you to follow along with. And I'm going to, I'm going to unpack these very quickly around what we receive when we wait. So if you want a heading this morning, you can simply write, when we wait, we. When we wait, we. All right, and, and then you can, you can jot the three points down under that. Let's pray quickly. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it doesn't matter if it's delivered from a scream or, or, or in person. It has power. I thank you that it has power to bring transformation. I thank you that it has power to bring a renewal of our mind. I thank you that it has power to restore hope. I thank you that it has power to bring healing. I thank you that it has power to bring life and life abundant. And I'm praying right now as it goes out this morning, as people hear your word, their spirit would come alive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first scripture this morning is in 1 Kings 19. Uh, we're going to read from verse 11 to 13. Here we go. When we wait, we, first point, hear. We hear. Scripture says, 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13. I'm going to read from the NIV. Um, so if we could pop that back up on the screen, that'd be great. It's a story of Elisha. Elijah, sorry. It's just context. He's just finished this incredible battle uh, against um, the, the prophets of Baal, and, uh, and he's kind of had a bit of a freak out moment after that. Who knows, sometimes a massive victory, and then, and then afterwards, we're not really sure what to do with it. And we pick up the story, uh, and it says, the Lord said to Elisha, he's, he's, he's hiding out in a cave, um, and it says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I love that there, because there's an articulation of the fact that God is always around, but then there is a moment when we shift to, to the awareness of his power. His presence is always accessible, but then there's a moment of awareness of his power. And it says, go and stand in his presence, for his power is going to come. And then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, but God was not in the wind. Shattered apart the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Is there another slide there? Sorry. There we go. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he says he pulled his cloak over his, over his face and he went out before the Lord. And then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? I tell you, if you're looking for purpose in life, get in the presence of God. If you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for why you're here, if you're looking for what this life is all about, get in the presence of God. Something about this, this story is it doesn't use the word wait, but it, it, it has this implied sense of waiting. 
Elisha is to go out and stand. He is to go out and be in God's presence and there are things that are going to pass by before the Lord speaks. There is a period of time at which Elisha must be in the presence of God before he accesses the voice of God. And sometimes I think we're just too quick. We just want to tick the box and so what we do is we go, "Mm, yep, cool, prayed, I'm out. But we haven't actually paused, we haven't actually waited, we haven't actually stopped and allowed certain things to pass by our mind, certain things to flood through our mind until it's clear, until we're at the point where we can actually hear the gentle whisper. No, we're just too quick. We live our lives at so fast a pace that we think we're too busy to pray. And I don't know who it was that said it, but someone once said that, that I am too busy not to pray. I'm too busy not to pray. We get our priorities a little bit wrong sometimes, but in this passage of Scripture, what we recognize is that waiting occurs in God's presence, not just for God's presence, not just for God's presence. We're not waiting for God to show up. God is everywhere. When we wake up in the morning and, and, and we go to, go to engage in prayer, we need to understand God is already there. God is already there. We're not necessarily trying to make him come to us. No, what we're trying to do is is quiet our natural senses to a point where our spiritual sense is aware that the presence of God has always been there and that we begin to interact with him from our spirit rather than just from our mind, just from our intellect, just because I know that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bringing power to my spirit. No, we gotta quieten our senses down so our spirit can engage with God. Often we must wait through something. Waiting is a perseverance developer. We don't like perseverance in this life. We're an instant gratification generation and we like things immediately. In fact, the word perseverance is almost, seems like a, a negative word these days. You know, everyone gets a trophy. Everyone's a winner. Nobody actually has to work hard these days to, to achieve success. And if we make success too much of a pinnacle over here, well, then we're discriminating everyone who might not reach it. And so we're building a generation that doesn't understand to actually arrive at a point worth celebrating. Sometimes it requires some hard work, some commitment, and some perseverance. And I'm telling you, there's a principle of waiting in Scripture so that we learn to persevere, so that we're able to demonstrate our desire through time. Who knows that that parents right now would like me to remind all of our young people that it's worth the wait, that sex in marriage is worth the wait. Yeah, I'll go there. I will go there, right? If If it wasn't worth it, it wouldn't be in Scripture to wait. Things that are worth it are worth waiting for. And if God is worth it, He is worth waiting for. Perseverance proves we're willing to wait. Perseverance proves our desire. Young man, if you truly love her, she's worth the wait. She's worth the wait. Don't undermine her value by shortcutting your perseverance. Thanks, darling. She was worth the wait. Wait through the wind, distracting noises. Who knows notifications on the phone? They weren't around when God wrote this scripture, but I'm telling you, they can be as much of a distracting wind, all right? They'll like catch our attention. Like when wind blows through the trees, it catches your attention. We gotta wait through the wind. We gotta wait through the wind. We're going to wait through the earthquake, things that are going to try to shake us, things that are going to try to rock us. We're going to, we're going to wait through the earthquake. We're going to wait through the fire. Sometimes we're waiting for a promise from God. We're waiting to hear His voice, and a test comes, and we think that the test is somehow this, this place where God's not, rather than recognizing that perhaps the test is, is, is a part of God's plan for us. 
Scripture tells us that we get strong in the battle. What happens if we don't have a battle? Well, we remain weak. God doesn't leave us in the battle. He's in it with us. We've got to wait through the fire. We've got to wait through the test. And then we hear his voice. When we spend the time it takes to hear, the time it takes to entwine his will into our imagination. When we wait, we hear. Point two, when we wait, we receive. We're going to look at Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31. When we wait, we receive. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 in the New King James Version says, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There is a great amount of promise in that scripture, but it is preceded by a directive. It is preceded by a directive. If we cannot have enough authenticity within ourselves and our relationship with God to acknowledge that we are weak, that we are human, if we cannot acknowledge that between us and God, we immediately take ourselves out of the place where we receive strength. We have to have a place in our lives where we're able to acknowledge our own humanity before God. Take the mask off, take the pretense off, take the I've got it all together mask off of our face in the presence of God and be like, God, you already know I'm weak, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come in on alignment with your word. I'm just gonna bring myself in alignment. You know, uh, someone once said that repentance was just agreeing with God against yourself. And sometimes I think one of the greatest, I'm not gonna call it a sin, but I think one of the greatest things that hinders us from accessing the power of God is that somehow we can't bring ourselves into an agreement with the fact that we need it. We live our life with this idea that we should be self-made, self, self able to continue all in our own strength, but the reality is we were never made to do that. We were always made to need relationship with God and power from heaven to live the life He's called us to. And it says when we wait, we will receive strength. And I love what strength uh, leads to, right? In that scripture, it leads to two things. It says we'll rise up on wings like eagles and we will run and we won't grow weary. It leads to altitude and it leads to pace. And here's the thing about altitude. When we're at an altitude, suddenly mountains and valleys, they all look the same. They all look the same. When we were at a particular altitude, that mountain that when we were down on the ground looked too big in front of us, it looked ridiculous. We couldn't get past it. We couldn't get over it. We had to go through it because we're on a bear hunt. Um, Right, like, but, but when, we, when we get wings like an eagle and we're at an altitude, suddenly the mountain doesn't look like a mountain. It actually looks quite flat. Like perhaps we can just fly right over it. And so suddenly what happens when we get the strength of God inside of us, mountains don't look like mountains. We suddenly see ourselves flying up high. We're above it and it doesn't look so big. It looks small. And, 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 and the other thing that we gain, not just altitude, but we gain pace. When we suddenly get the strength of God inside of us, our spirit comes alive and it's almost like those things that seem so far off suddenly seem really close. It's like that, that, that I call it one day well burn. I don't know if you have this. You have like a one day, one day like you can use the same, like alliteration with your name, I'm one day well burn. It's the, it's the person I'll be one day, the person I see down the track that I dream of being. I have like this whole section in my journal, which is I dream of being. I dream of being a man that does this, this, you know, it's like this ideal, because I'm idealistic. Uh, so this ideal dream state, the one day well burn. But I'm telling you, when I find myself waiting in the presence of God and I get his strength on side, inside of me and my spirit's alive, 
five, there's a whole lot of those things that before I did that seemed so far down the track from where I am right now, but, but one moment in his presence and suddenly it's like I'm far closer than I thought to that person, but only when I'm filled with the presence of God. But only when I'm filled with the presence of God, it's like suddenly I've taken all of, this, all of this journey that I thought was so far off and now it seems so much closer. Strength gives us altitude and pace. Gives us altitude and pace. So when we, when we wait, we hear. When we wait, we receive. And lastly, when we wait, we become. When we wait, we become. If I could get the team up, that would be awesome. Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49. In the New Living Translation, it says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay, but stay, stay here. When you're feeling powerless, don't move on in life too quickly. Don't take on the next chapter of your life until, until, until you have received power for the next step. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on heaven. I love other translations. There's a really cool translation that says, When you will be clothed, with power from on high. And it's interesting, right? So Luke writes that. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Luke also writes the book of Acts. And it's like he gets to do this now and then then perspective on this exact interaction, right? This is the, this is the pre-arrival of the Holy Spirit. And then Luke picks up the story. And, he, and in Luke Acts, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he, he, he kind of attacks it from a different angle. And he says, he's writing almost exactly the same thing. It's like one was the conclusion of a book. And this next one's the introduction. And so he takes exactly the same paragraph, reworks it a little bit. Because that's what you do when you rewrite stuff. And, and then we get the first kind of chapter of Acts. And it says, when the Spirit comes comes upon you, you will receive power. Exactly the same thing. We will receive power, but this time he understands there's a purpose to the power. This time he understands that the power is there so that we become something. And if you continue to read Acts chapter 1, it says, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. To be my witnesses. I tell you, when we wait, we become a witness not so much out of what we say, but because of what we carry. There is no greater witness to the reality of a God than His power at work. There is no greater a witness. We witness salvation. Salvation comes from the power of God. Speaking into our spirit. You may never have heard that word before, the word salvation. It's not used a lot in, in today's day and age, but... There's a reality about this life that, that you need to understand that the reality is that God loves you. He's real. He loves you and He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants it to be this real, genuine, authentic relationship. We're not talking about a religion. We're talking about a relationship with a living God. But the reality is that in our humanness, we act, we think, and we do things that are wrong in the eyes of a perfect God. And those things separate us from Him. But He asked His Son, Jesus, who we read about in Scripture, tells us that He came to earth. He died on a cross. He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And by doing that, He made the greatest gift of all time available to us. And that was the gift of forgiveness. The gift of His grace. That by accepting and believing that Jesus is who He said He is. By believing that what He did on the cross was was all that was required for me to be forgiven of every single thing I've ever done wrong in the eyes of God in my life. 
and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says that we are able to have a relationship with God once again. That's what salvation is. That's what we're talking about this morning. A relationship with a living God. And I don't know where you're at with that this morning. Maybe you've never heard that God loves you, that He sent His Son to die for you so that you could have a relationship with Him. Or maybe you have, but you would say, you know what, I feel a long way away from God right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do something about that. I believe there's people here this morning and you've not really experienced it before, but there's something stirring inside of you. It's like there's something just, it's like down in your gut, in your spirit, stirring you. You're like, I don't know, I understand all this, but I, I want more of this. Can I tell you, that's God trying to speak to you, trying to draw you to Himself. And He would love for you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth this morning that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to do something. It's going to get everyone to close their eyes just for a moment of individual privacy. And if that's you this morning, you feel like something's stirring inside of you and you would like to accept what Jesus did for you, you'd like to begin a relationship with God, or maybe you would like to, to just go, you know what, I just need to, I just need to re, re, reconnect with God. I need to make sure that I know in myself that my relationship with Him is definite. Then while all our eyes are closed this morning, mine are open, just don't want to freak you out. Why don't you just do something to acknowledge that? I encourage you, raise your hand this morning, right now. Just go, yeah, that's, that's me. This is the way of acknowledging on the outside what, what you feel stirring on the inside. That's me this morning. I want to do that. I want to, I want to receive Christ this morning. I want to begin relationship with God this morning. Who's here? Who's, who's God speaking to this morning? Just stirring. Take that first step. You don't need to have all the answers. I believe it begins with a desire just to know God. I felt very strongly this morning. You can open your eyes. Thank you. I felt very strongly this morning to create an opportunity for every person who calls this community their home or every visitor who's here today just kind of checking things out, an opportunity for you to intentionally wait on God. Take that moment where we deliberately place ourselves in a position where, where all our natural senses just have an opportunity to wind down and our spirit has an opportunity to come alive. Our team's gonna lead us and I'm gonna ask you not just to stay in your seat. If this, if this message has spoken to you this morning, I'm gonna ask you to be bold, but, but also to be deliberate, to be intentional. Why don't you come down? Why don't you come to, I mean, it's just the front. It's no big deal, except that it is. It, I believe it's an altar. I believe that when we choose to make a sacrifice, it's done on an altar. When we choose to move, there's a sacrifice in that. Yeah, everyone looks, all that, whatever. There has to be something inside of us that desires a, a connection with Christ beyond people's opinion. And some of you this morning, you're dry. You feel like you haven't genuinely connected with God in so long. I tell you, I felt like that at times in my life. And it feels like I don't even know how to reconnect with Him. But the truth is, He hasn't gone anywhere. He's right here. And all it takes is a moment where we just, we just step out 
demonstrating the intention of our heart to meet with Him afresh. And so I'm going to tell you right now, this altar is open. Maybe you need new strength. Maybe you need to hear from God this morning. Maybe, maybe you know that you've got an error in your life. You need some transformation. You need some power in that place. This altar is open for you to come and wait on God. You don't have to get prayed for. You might want prayer, that's fine. But ultimately, it's about an opportunity for you to encounter Christ. So don't wait. The team's gonna play. I've got to head off. I love you guys. You're amazing. Have a great rest of the service. But please come and respond this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.